well, beauty like that is so sacred, right? I mean, it changes a person. And I think that we're going back to talking about RCIA and confirmation. Like you have to have those encounters with beauty, with, you know, truth, with goodness. And that's what creates those encounters with God. Those are like moments when those are the, the true sacramentals that actually bring you closer to him. And I think sometimes kids don't always experience that, but as adults, we start recognizing them. And so I hope that our kids either in the Latin Mass or Nova Sorda, wherever they go, that they can experience those things and have them as their foundation. Hello and welcome to Barbato's Catholic Podcast, a show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo and Walter. And today we're going to talk to Jessica Connolly about truth, goodness, and beauty. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. Um, so we 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 know you from being fellow parishioners at St. Joan of Arc, but for, for those people listening and, and watching, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a wife first and a mom of five. And um, I'm a designer as well. I own a Catholic jewelry company named Telus Art Shop. And yeah, that's me in a very quick nutshell. <laughs> that's Fellow designer here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Is this still a thing? I don't know if I do totally. this. I, I feel, I feel like, like I super the other day old. to my kids and they were like, uh, yeah, no. what are you doing that? I know right. <laughs> people look weird, weirdly at me when I do that. And I still feel that it's, it's relevant, but I think we'll see. the word you're looking for is cringe. <laughs> Your girls cringe. will tell us when they watch the yeah. episode. It was racing the roof for those that are not yeah. watching. Uh, yeah. the video uh, <laughs> version of the of the podcast um so but you, you are also we'll talk about telos in a little bit but but you're also a convert to to the catholic faith right um yes it w were you raised uh, christian at all uh, growing oh, up oh yeah yeah my mom was um protestant a very faithful a very faithful woman and um We were raised in a couple churches, but I mean, the majority of the time, my sister and I went to a Protestant church with my mom and it was filled with faithful women um, and men too. But I mean, I just remember like being around the moms and, and just their love of the Lord. Um, I think that really set a strong foundation for both of us to always pursue the Lord and truth in that. And I think that's kind of what led us both on a similar journey of conversion. And what was the catalyst for that? You said, like, I'm going to try Catholicism, Catholicism. Yeah. So actually, my sister and brother-in-law um, converted while they were going to seminary. My brother-in-law was um, considering being a pastor in the Anglican Church. And okay. while they were there, they kind of were led to look at the history of the church just in general. And I think through looking at that, they were drawn to the Catholic church as, you know, the strongest representation of the historical church. And so they kind of voiced their plans to convert. And as they were talking through it with my husband, um, he was kind of drawn back to the Catholic church. So we had just gotten married in a Protestant church outside, you know, it was like very, <laughs> very <laughs> non-denom and we met in a non-denominational church, but he just felt called back to the Catholic church at the same time that they were converting. And so it was an interesting time in our, our relationship as a family. Um, 
I felt definitely on the outside of whatever was going on with the three of them. But ultimately, it brought good questions. You know, it made me look deeper into all of those things and um, and just kind of get past some of the stereotypes that I had always heard of growing up in the Catholic Church, about the Catholic Church, um, uh-huh. and just kind of move past that. So wait, so this, did your husband convert first or... Was it at the same time? He reverted. So he was raised in the Catholic Church. Um, and then he reverted like a year after we got married. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was all pretty quick, like right after we got married. Um, and then my mom, so like that was their process. The three of them were kind of around the same timeline. And then at the same time, our mom was really sick and um, she passed away in 2010. Mm. And... Um, Kind of after she passed away, I just felt a peace about looking deeper into Catholicism. I felt like if I had felt on the outside with them going through it, how much more would she feel, yeah. you know, on the outside and sick? And, you know, there was just a lot going on. And I felt mm-hmm. like I had more peace about pursuing it um, after she passed away, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, and so in 2012 is when I converted. Nice. Um, I guess I went through RCIA. I actually went through RCIA um, not knowing if I was going to convert. I kind of just wanted to, I, since I was baptized, I wanted to go through the whole process. I could have, you know, just joined at Easter and mm-hmm. basically just gone through the abbreviated version. But I was like, no, just give me the whole year. Let's go through the whole process. So it was really good. I think that a lot of adults, even if they were raised Catholic, should go through something like RCIA. I completely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I would have done it. I, I think that's what, what, what it was one of the things that really got me back into the faith. Um, going through uh parent classes when when our little ones were doing the 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 sacramental classes because i've i've said it before on the podcast i was like i don't want to waste a tuesday you know <laughs> listening to this i already i already did this you know i'm i'm i got most of my sacraments already and it's like i can I know how to we pray the rosary we're good yeah, i right. know how to pray the rosary and i know the the main uh prayers of the church come on um, but it is, I, I completely agree with that sentiment, you know, that I think if more people were uh, catechized as adults rather than just kids, and then there's a gap, right? Because you do your sacraments and then it's like, well, hopefully you'll come back to mass one day. Wow. And um, I, I heard this great um, term earlier today that's called, uh, what was it, Walter, that I told you? Uh, Christers, like Christmas and Easter Christer, Catholics. Christers, yeah. <laughs> Christers. So I, I've never heard that. I think that's that's a, a, a very accurate term for a lot of people that their kids finish their sacraments and then they just go away. So I think. What does Christer mean? Is that like in reference Christmas well, and Easter? It's, okay, that's Christmas what I and yeah. Easter. Yeah, it's a mixture yeah. of Christmas and Easter. Um, but I've never heard it before. Uh, um, quoted like that. <laughs> and and totally, you know, when when my wife was going uh, giving classes for high schoolers, I think that was the thing. You know, they they went to the classes but they didn't live their faith at home and they didn't learn about the, the, the faith at home. So I think if more adults went through our CIA, we wouldn't have as many people falling out of the Catholic church. I think. I don't know what it was around the eighties and well in Mexico, at least. Yeah. My, my preparation for first communion was three Sundays with a little booklet that only taught me mm-hmm. the prayers. And I was like, Looking back at it, like, yeah, we could have done more, <laughs> but well, you know, I, I mean, in my case, I, in my case, it was like a two-year preparation, I think, 
to do uh, First Communion. But then after First Communion, I was in youth group, you know, and even still, I kind of like fell off after I, I, I came out of, after I went to college. So, so if you think about it, I was in church every weekend from age, I don't know, eight when I was like an altar server up until I went to college at 18. And still I was able to fall away, you know, in college yeah. and, and just like, so, I, but I guess what I was trying to say is the fact that the, the knowledge that I got in like a year of parent classes gave me more than I ever got out of my whole uh, childhood and, and, and youth. And I was a youth minister, you know, so that'll tell you how much you need to know about that. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've mentioned Telos art shop, um, which uh, it's, it's fantastic. I, I think Gustavo, both Gustavo and I are, uh, have been customers of, uh, of Telos. And on the website, I, I, I saw that you, you quote uh, Dr. Peter Kreft, um saying that truth, goodness, and beauty are attributes of God. Um, so how do you apply uh, these, uh, like, uh, the pursuit of these attributes when it comes to, like, your labor of your craft? Because, this, well, if you could explain what, does, what can people find in Telos first, and then, you know, how do you um, uh, put mesh all of those things together? Yeah, I mean, I think that sacramentals, well, okay, so Telus Art, we offer Catholic jewelry and, and inspired gifts. And hopefully I, the mission is really to journey with people on their, their walk of faith, right? Like we're talking about the journey, right? I mean, our journeys are not going to be perfect, but um, it's a reminder and kind of a touch point to bring us back to our, our foundation, which hopefully we all have, you know, or will have at some point in our life. And we may walk away from that from time to time, but it's a, it's a path that we can always come back to. And um, I think that when we have those touch points of truth, beauty, and goodness, um, it leads us back to the Lord because those are things that um, define him and make up who, you know, part of who he is. And, and it's a way for us to experience him um, in the world through those things. And I think art can be a big um a big thing. And I, you know, the Catholic church is all about, um, reaching the senses. Right. And, and yeah. it does that through the arts and through, um, uh, what am I trying to say, but you know, just all the different things, the mm -hmm. art and the music and the incense and things like that. And I mm -hmm. think that those yeah. can be physical, you know, touch points. And I think that jewelry can also be one of those things that brings people and reminds people of the faith. It can also be a, a opportunity to talk about the faith with someone who may mm -hmm. not be Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Uh, I um I have to be honest with you, like the concept of a heirloom is like so foreign to me that I I I just knew about it from like movies, right? With the guy that is trying to like get the heirloom um wedding ring from the grandma because he's trying to propose to his girlfriend kind of situation <laughs> that you see in the movies. But um I kinda like it. Um because you know Deanna, my wife, um, she got a uh, uh, a bee necklace or pendant from from your shop, uh, which is evocative of Saint Rita. I don't remember the story of why she is associated with bees, but um, now I'm like, oh, okay. Well, 
that is something that is related to the faith. She can wear it. But then now my daughter, we can pass it on to her. Mm -hmm. um, right. And and that part of um, of having those things that, that you pass on, just like the faith, right? You, we are passing on this treasure trove and uh, which is also kind of like a um related to your newsletter which i really enjoyed <laughs> reading um and and can, can can you tell us a little bit more about um any heirlooms that are in your family because i think that was if i don't re if i remember correctly that's kind of associated with like the genesis of telos and how you started doing jewelry Yeah, yeah, and I and I think it also comes back to the Catholic Church and the truth, beauty, and goodness of how we, over the years, you know, through the history, have used those things to pass down our faith to other people. And so I think that um, the heirloom jewelry is kind of an extension of that. And and my goal is to offer now and to hopefully offer in the future even more pieces that can be passed down to the family and. And yeah, I mean, it does tie into my family, my own family as well. My mom was an avid um, antique collector and just had a strong nostalgia for things of the past and especially things that were from our family, you know, that we could hand down, hand around to each other. There were quilts and just pieces of furniture that have been in the faith mm -hmm. for, or not faith, in the family for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I love that that kind of carries through in the shop as well. And I have pieces that I'll hand down to my daughter and, and maybe my daughter's-in-law, you know. So, yeah, I love the way that that all kind of connects together. And Telos, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll go into probably what Telos means. But, um, yeah, I feel like there's a close connection to that as well. Mm -hmm. I, I love the, the intentionality behind it, you know, because it's always we, we've become very. It's a consumerist culture, right? So we just buy and we buy and then we take it to goodwill. And but everything that that we've gotten from you is something that like you said you're going to treasure and the person receiving it is like wow there's always like a wow factor from the recipient because there is that intentionality of saying i love you so much that i gave you something that is not only beautiful but it's also very important to both of us you know which is which is a representation of our of our catholic faith and and it's It came at a time where it was very refreshing for me because I was like, I'm out of ideas. You know, what can I get for Mother's Day or for like an anniversary or for a birthday for my wife? Um, and I remember this one time, you know, I was like, waited to the last minute, like every good husband does. <laughs> <laughs> and and you were so awesome because you were like, you said, I'll drive it to you. It's like, where can I meet you? And I was like blown away. You know, that that is like you are heavily invested in 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 your craft and your product. And um, and when I gave that gift, I not only was very um, touched, you know, because of the piece itself, but of all that experience, you know, of like people helping people out and my wife really liking that necklace and us potentially handing it down to our daughter and they trade it now. Now my daughter's wearing more, oh. <laughs> wearing more jewelry and stuff. So they're kind of like trading pieces and, and, and things like that. So it's, it's super intentional, you know, and I think it really uh, shines through and, and all of the stuff that, that you can find there on your website. So kudos on that. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. hearing stories like that. So I hope yeah. that we can create more experiences like that. For yeah. People. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about Telos and Telos. It, it comes from the Greek 
I don't know. Is it pronounced the same in Greek? I'm assuming. Yeah, um, it's Greek, right? So. It's Greek. Yeah, so. it's like Kyrie <laughs> is Greek. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it means the ultimate purpose or highest end. Um, what what was the the motivation behind naming your shop after the ultimate purpose or the highest end? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because I, I named my graphic design studio Telus Design when I first started. So that mm -hmm. was kind of like I went from architecture to graphic design and then jewelry. Um, so it's all about, you know, being intentional about what I'm doing for a higher reason. Right. So my graphic design was um, I was designing the parish bulletins and, and things like that and then doing some other logos. And but I really wanted to work with people that I um appreciated their mission and stood behind their mission i didn't really i didn't want to work with people i didn't necessarily you know i mean it, you hope that your clients would be people that you kind of are of a like mindset um yeah. and so that was kind of where the initial name came from was that this work is something that's hopefully greater than just the work itself but it leads to something more intentional um and then i started painting and it became like telus art shop and um which i think gustavo has one of my paintings as well um yes. Um, your wife does. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. And then the jewelry came out when my, when I inherited my grandmother's jewelry, I started kind of tinkering around with making some jewelry. And I posted that on my very small Instagram page. And that's what was getting the response was the jewelry, not the paintings. Um, so I felt like that was kind of a clear call in that direction. So it's been interesting to watch, you know, the process of what TELUS has meant for me and for other people and how it, you know, hopefully leads people into something greater than just the shop itself. When, when did the uh, calendar come into play? Was that something that you were working on? Like as you were finding the way through the jewelry and the painting and stuff like that, because uh, just give people some context of what I'm talking about too. Yeah. So I designed and still kind of design, um, every year the a modern liturgical calendar and actually i had an idea for it when i was going through rcia because as an architect and kind of a minimalist i remember seeing the traditional liturgical calendars i was like oh my mind can't like wrap around everything that's on this calendar like there's just a lot going on and there's beauty in that and i can see why people are drawn to it but i was also like what if we made something that was more simplistic mm -hmm. and kind of simplified all the information so that it would be more like a standard calendar that just had the information but it was still in a cycle form. So it's in a circular mm -hmm. format that shows kind of how our uh, liturgical calendar follows that cycle, that circular yeah. cycle. And you can kind of see it all, you can see it all in one glance, but then as you get closer, you kind of see the richness in the, the detail and the, the meaning behind each of the seasons, liturgical seasons. Yeah, that's beautiful. That was one of the pieces where I saw it. And, and as a designer, I went, ah, I wish I thought of that first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah because there's a lot of opportunities and i'm sorry to say right in the catholic church to beautify whatever it's been used for years and years and years and um and i and i give a lot of credit to uh, i bring him up almost on, on every episode but bishop uh robert Barron is like a great pioneer for me at least because he brought that beauty into the the production value that he gave all of his work You know, because before you would think about any type of uh, video or movie about production. or, or faith-based or production, and you immediately saw like the typical, I don't know, lifetime type of 
uh, not not to downplay lifetime, right? But in terms of like the the quality wasn't necessarily yeah. what we're expected of like, like Hollywood Hallmark movies and stuff movie, like that. Know? Correct. And and so when I saw that, and I'm like, well, there's people doing like great stuff, you know, that's that's amazing. And when I saw your calendar, that's exactly what I thought too. It's like, okay, yeah, there are other people that yeah. want people things to look not only look better but be functional as well. So, and on top of that, it's like. You know, it's going to change every year and mm -hmm. it, it can be like a, a the perfect tool to like explain to your children why holy week falls on a different date yeah. every year because it's based on the full moon and yeah. the passover and all of these other things that uh, you know that there's people that don't know that uh yeah yet uh But then if you have some aid that is pleasant to see and easy to understand and it has all the information that you need to explain something that is slightly difficult to understand, it becomes beautiful and pragmatic, which is two of the things that I'm like, yeah, that that is good design, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on it, but... Uh, I do like it's like when you see a um one of those graphs that it's not an infomercial it's an info something infographic infographic yeah. thank you mm -hmm. it's just like jam packed with all the information that you need in a you know I don't know how many pixels but how many pixels but you have everything that is necessary uh to explain uh, to get the point across um mm -hmm. I I had a a a question is like how do you go from from architecture to design did, did did you do a lot of architecture before you were like nah i'm just gonna pivot um into design yeah so well i did go to school for architecture so that was five years and then i practiced um i was an intern architect i never was licensed but um uh i worked at an architecture studio for seven years and slowly i did a lot of the interior stuff and i did some product project management. Um, but then I also did a lot of our graphic design. I did all of our promotional stuff. And mm -hmm. um, I think just knowing computers, if you have like a general eye for design, it's kind of easy to translate that computer knowledge to graphic design. So the jump wasn't a huge jump for me. I did need to learn about some of like topography and I'm probably still learning that since I never officially learned it, but <laughs> it's an art just like anything else. But um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of met with some other graphic designers and learned some tricks from them. But um, yeah, I was I think just having that background in architecture made it more possible for me to jump around a little bit more. I don't know, it just yeah. gave me a different foundation. So you can basically like transferable skills that you can get from one into the other. So seems yeah, like... I think a little bit. I think it's having yeah. a designer eye, maybe, you know, like having that, yeah. that interest. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with uh, organizing elements in a functional way. You know, yeah. I think um, when uh, that was my initial thought when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I thought about architecture. And one of my cousins is actually an architect. And this was back in Mexico. And he said, dude, I would consider something else because it's really tough. And not not the school. School itself is very tough. It said. But in order to apply it here where you live, you're going to have like a really hard time. Silver, uh, it was a very small town. And at that point, uh, I kind of like 
found out about it. I didn't, they didn't even know about it back then. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how you can apply those sensibilities uh, kind of like seamlessly, as you said, but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody because if you don't have that sensibility for one thing, doesn't necessarily going to grow uh, for, for the other. But I, I really like the, the rosary decals that you did too, because okay, yeah. I think um, you make it Explain about life as you're going. Yeah. Explain to those that don't please. haven't seen him. Well, you have. Yeah, so, I don't have. <laughs> Sorry. You want me to describe yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she okay. designed it, so I guess it makes more sense. <laughs> you could probably explain it better than I could, but so there's it covers the mysteries of the rosaries uh, of the rosary. Um, so for each decade, or not each decade, but each um, mystery, there is a window cling or a magnet, um, which just makes it more accessible, especially for kids or converts who may still be learning each of the mysteries. Um, it takes you kind of around each of those and it also applies the virtue for each of the mysteries, which um, aren't always shown, I think. Um, but my kids really enjoy kind of seeing what that can represent and kind of opens up conversations about those things too. So did that come up just because you were trying to teach your kids the rosary and you said, oh, I can do some fun thing that it can apply here at home? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the things that I think of designing are probably things that I feel would be beneficial for our family. You know, it's, it's nice. that's, I think that's where the practicality comes in. It's like, I haven't seen this before. I think that this would be helpful for us and maybe we'll see if it's helpful for other people too. And they've been pretty popular as well. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. you, know, you see a problem, you solve the problem. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, the problem is there's so many good designers out there now that there's like all the problems are being solved. So <laughs> I, I have I've started solving like 20 problems and I haven't finished solving them yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be like um, some aesthetics from some designers that are going to be more pleasing to uh, some people than others. So it's, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like enough to go around yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's true, true though. Nice that there's so many aesthetics that we can kind of play Exactly. Off of. Yeah. But uh, lately, I, I don't know. It's because I've been paying more attention to it and I'm following better things now on Instagram, which is basically the only social platform that I'm on now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of talent out there. And I think it's very, very reassuring, you know, and, and, and um, motivating to people that don't know exactly how to apply their skills in a way that they can advance the mission of, of the church. And I'm, I'm really um, motivated, like I said, you know, and challenged by that to say, okay, how can I put my talents that God gave me to, to better use? You know, but um, so there, there's a lot of good people uh, doing very, very good things. Uh, Hence why we wanted to have you on the podcast. You know, we're very, we're fans of your work. We really, really like what, what you do and, and, and how you do it. And, um, and the, the aesthetic sensibility that you bring to every offering, it's really refreshing and unique. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I was going to jump onto what you said about how it seems like there's a lot more Catholic designers out there. And I mm -hmm. feel like um, it's nice to see that, people are realizing that there's a need for that and an audience for that, because I feel like there's other denominations that do it really well. Yeah. And, you know, especially in the art world, I know that like the church of Latter-day Saints has like an amazing art community. And I just, and I know that the Catholic church initially was the ones that kind of like started that, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And I, 
I hope that that continues to grow because I think that's a great way of perpetuating our beautiful story. And so exactly. yeah, I hope that we, mm -hmm. we continue that. Yeah. I mean, when, um, when I went to the Vatican museums, when Deanna and I were on our honeymoon, just looking at all of those works that are on those halls, I'm like, what happened? Like in a few centuries, we went from like having those amazing frescoes and sculpture to, I don't know, like a urinal being displayed in a museum, you know, um, like there's some something went terribly wrong um in in those years but now uh, looking at um you know at least here in phoenix i'm pretty sure that there are like very beautiful churches all around the u.s and not necessarily just in europe like you have saint bernadette um here in scottsdale or uh, saint joseph's that it just got rebuilt um here in the diocese that are architecturally sound and then beautifully decorated inside um so i don't know if like there is a revival of like going through all of that but um i'm very happy that it is happening yeah mm -hmm. yeah it does seem like the newer churches are following more of the traditional layout of the church which makes a lot of sense there's a reason why the church was originally laid out in that way mm -hmm. um so yeah, architecturally, it's exciting for me to see that coming around because I know in the 70s, there was a big shift of like trying to be kind of, I don't know, it's not even modern, modern but, yeah, you know, know, just kind of, it's just a different layout that doesn't really reflect the reverence that should be in the church. So now that, that you mentioned that the, the architectural served a purpose for the mass, I just recently, I think it was in a mass of the ages that it was, it was saying that the, the cruciform design of churches was this, um, following after the the land mass uh, basically um, of, of, it was like function and, and a purpose uh, behind it um, so uh, speaking of truth goodness and beauty um, I know that I said at the beginning that the, we know you from St. Joan of Arc but um, you have been, uh, you and your family have been going to uh, Mater Misericordiae, which is the traditional Latin Mass parish uh, in Phoenix. Um, how has that impacted your your walk of faith and uh, in your experience in, in you know ex experiencing truth, goodness, and beauty? Um, if you can share a little bit of that, uh, if, if you would like. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's been an interesting part of our journey as a family. And um, my husband was the one that kind of was led to the Latin Mass. And just like anything else, I tend to go like kicking and screaming a little bit. I think that it's part of my growth in my faith. Um, I Sometimes he would go with the kids and I would go to the Novus Ordo Mass just because I wasn't totally ready to like, mm -hmm. I mean, as a Protestant, like it's a big shift, right? It is. Um, to go from like full so Catholic worship, is a big you know, shift. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's been, it has been a process and it's an ongoing process and a journey for us as well. Um, but there are different things that drew us, you know, there, but I would say that um, the thing that really has helped me the most in being there is, you know, when the reverence is there, you know, and it's, I, and it is still there at the Novus Ordo Mass as well, but there are certain parishes you go to and you're like, I don't know, like something's missing or it just feels like we have lost something when we, shifted away from the Latin mass. So 
Um, there are plenty of Novus Ordo masses that I love and I feel like have that reverence, but there are certain things about the traditional Latin mass that are consistent across Latin masses, you know, that um, no matter which Latin mass you went to, you'd probably feel about the same. Um, so I like that about it, that it feels consistent in that way. Um, and then, you know, just the call to be submissive in a way that is um, true to our faith. Um, you know, bailing is not maybe something I would have chosen on my own, but it has been good for me to submit to that, not just to um, a man's request, you know, man in general, but like to God, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to see that bailing is, we're bailing something that's sacred. We bail the Eucharist and, and I get to bail myself, you know, like to mm -hmm. say that I'm sacred and it, in a way it's, it's humbling and, but it's also elevating at the same time. So mm -hmm. I definitely think there's beauty there. The other thing about the Latin mass is like, I don't always understand what's being said unless I have like the little missalette, but um, there's a cadence to it and a rhythm to it that um, can lead you to prayer, you know? And, and even if you're not understanding the words that are being said, I feel like it has led me into a deeper prayer moment in mass that maybe I wouldn't have always had in the Novus Ordo mass because I can always understand the words. So I'm paying attention to the actual words instead of praying. That makes sense. Got it. Oh, makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. 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 I started reading the Latin Mass Explained, and just like um, the the first section, I haven't gotten to like the second part of the book. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I started five different books at the same time, finished neither of them. But um, it com goes through the the roots of like the sacrifice of the Mass and the biblical uh, uh, backing of all of those things. And and one of the things that mm, stuck with me was um, the continuity of tradition, um, and uh, and then watching Mass of the Ages, like the first part of the documentary. Um, I think that it, at least I don't want to speak for Gustavo, but at least for myself, there is like some starter, some seed there that mm -hmm. I'm I'm starting to like. Well, I I'm starting to teach myself Latin. Trying to pray the rosary in Latin, um, chanting is like one of the things that I enjoy the most about our tradition. Um, all the Marian chants in Latin um, it is one of the things that I find as truth and goodness and beauty. Um, in in the church, Gregorian chant, uh, I I love mm -hmm. the monastic tradition. So all of those things have nudged me um, to, to, to at least consider it, right? Because like you said, mm -hmm. there are a lot of Novus Ordo parishes that are very reverent, for sure. But um, one of the things that I've heard about uh, people that go to the uh, Latin Mass is that um, what the difference would be, like in the Novus Ordo, it feels like you are in control at Mass because you know the the responses you know what's going on but at the uh at the latin mass i haven't experienced it but from what i have heard there is not a lot of um control in terms of like what is happening because there are some prayers that the priest is saying that are in a very uh um not like silent prayer but almost so like you said unless you have a missalette to follow along mm-hmm you have no idea where you are, but I, I loved what you said about um, creating opportunities for deeper prayer within 
the sacrifice of the mass, which is fantastic. <laughs> well, it also gives you the opportunity to let go, right? Because when, when, like you said, Jessica, it's about the trusting God in that moment that you're there for the right reasons. And sometimes I think we get into a mechanical way at church where you know the what's coming next and, and you, you allow yourself to memorize it to the point where you're you're not praying it. You're just like reciting it at that point. And that's what I've heard too, you know, from people that say that they become more engaged because it, they have to work harder at it. Yeah. But at the same time, they 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 um, they feel like they're putting more effort into uh, offering something better to God because it's so hard. You know, when something's hard, that 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 means it's costing you something. It it by itself that that what you're doing tends to be of more importance. Um, so yeah, same here. You know, I think when I saw that documentary, that part of the documentary, it it also gave me that that nudge, you know, planted that little seed to say, okay, we can try it out. Maybe, you know, um, haven't, haven't, maybe we go to a low mass yet. first. <laughs> maybe we go to yeah. a low start mass with a low first. mass. Oh, we go to low mass. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, it's, it's um, a yeah, tradition of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. The tradition of it, I think it's also very uh, important coming back, you know, to the heirloom, you know, it's something that you don't want to lose. It's something that you want to treasure. It's something that you want to, really passed down to your kids to to it was so funny because my parents were here uh this past weekend and from from nogales from mexico and we took them to saint bernadette's and they they chanted um the uh gloria and um the sanctus and stuff like this and my dad was really taken of it first of all they were like they were like pointing up the whole mass because of the first time they saw the church So they were taken by the beauty of of all these uh, paintings, and then listening to these beautiful chants in Latin. So when we came out of mass uh, and we took him to breakfast, uh, my dad was telling me he was like getting teary eyed. He was saying it was so beautiful. That is, it's something that as a Catholic growing up in Mexico, he told me we don't we don't live that, we don't see that, and we don't like appreciate that. You know, and he was like paying attention to all the little details, like the the um, all the inscriptions in Latin across the top of the of the church, you know, and every little detail. He was just taken by beauty in that moment. Um, my mom didn't understand a lick because she doesn't speak English or Latin. But um, but even then, you know, even then there was a, a sense in her that she was in heaven at that moment because everything was so beautiful, yeah. you know? So that was something very, it was, a, it was a gift to us to be able to take him to church. Because I've been wanting to take him uh, um, ever since it opened. And, and now that they did, they were like very um, appreciative of that moment from God, you know, because they were, they came here just like out of a whim. It wasn't like anything planned. So, and that's what they left with because they left right after, after the mass. Um, so again, there are no the, coincidences. the beauty of the Catholic Church, exactly. The beauty of the Catholic Church, you know, I think it's gonna is timeless, and, and I, I just love that my parents experienced that, you know, and I saw it in their faces. So it was beautiful. Well, beauty like that is so sacred, right? I mean, it changes exactly. the person. And I think that when we're going back to talking about RCIA and 
confirmation. Like you have to have those encounters with beauty, with, mm-hmm. you know, truth, with goodness. And that's what creates those encounters with God. Those are like moments when those are the, the true sacramentals that actually bring you closer to him. And I think sometimes kids don't always experience that, but as adults, we start recognizing them. And so I hope that our kids either in the Latin mass or Nova Sorda, wherever they go, that they can experience those things and, and have them as their foundation. Yeah. And that's how uh, Bishop Barron actually, in one of his books, that's what he mentions, you know, as Catholics, we attract uh, by beauty and we are attracted by beauty and then follows the goodness that that beauty represents. And then comes the truth. So that's the process of evangelization uh, uh, that that he that he explains in the book. No, you don't just start throwing people with truth because that that's when you like, okay, back up, you know, that's your truth. And okay. But that's not like the most effective way of evangelizing. He he mentions because people need to be wooed, you know, and people need to be attracted and then they will understand why the, why of the truth, if they have all this, uh, uh, forethought and, and knowledge of the of the beautiful and the good yeah, so if if anyone wants to lure someone into the faith with a with a with a beautiful thing um mother's day is coming so jessica do you have anything cooking for mother's day on uh telos art shop that people should know about yeah, I mean, we have we had a sale already, so we, we I I'm sorry that we missed that for the podcast, but um yeah, I mean, it, there's plenty of things that we can ship out for Mother's Day. Um we have Sacred Heart medals. We also have some different um subscription boxes or gift boxes that would be good for moms. Um yeah, I mean, hop on the website telosartshop.com and see what you can find. Also, yeah, Beautiful. this is coming out on, on May 3rd, so it's going to be slightly late for it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you can grab a gift card for your mom, right. too. That there works. we go. Mm-hmm. We can do <laughs> yeah. that. Um, again, we are just like exposing ourselves a terrible gift givers that's wait until the last minute <laughs> to get something that is what's in. I'm sorry. Wait, Mother's Day is not like until two months from now, right? I still have time. Uh, no. <laughs> no? No week. I was going to say, like, in Mexico, we celebrated on uh, May 10th, May 10th so it gives us, like, 48 hours extra. But, um, yeah. uh, Expedited shipping there, ex- Jessica. Yeah, there you go. We do have that. <laughs> I do remember Jessica uh, driving over to our place to hand deliver the liturgical calendar. That was, uh, mm-hmm. it seemed, I see a pattern here. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. If you live in Phoenix, guys, local, that might happen. My local yeah. Show, only right? for the there local audience. Don't get, yeah. don't get any ideas. People from like Arkansas <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Um, okay. So where can people find you? You mentioned the, uh, the website, telosartshop.com. Yes. Um, What's yeah, the Instagram handle? It's T-E-L-O-S artshop.com. And then I'm also on Instagram as well at telusart, T-E-L-O-S, T-E-L-O-S art. So yeah, awesome. those are the two main places you can find us. Beautiful. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Oh, do we want to talk about uh, t-shirts or no? There's a donation. Oh, um, no, probably not. Got it. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take this part out. It was another side thing that we were doing, but it's uh, it's 
Telesart's too busy. I can't, I can't I deal with right now. Maybe someday. Yeah. Maybe someday. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. It, this was a wonderful conversation. Um, we've really enjoyed it. Um, Gustavo, any closing comments? Talk to you guys. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome just to see a fellow designer really uh, pushing the envelope and putting, like like I said, you know, the talents that that God gave you to an amazing use. You know, we're we're very grateful to call you a friend and to to be able to experience everything that you're doing. And um, like 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 I said, you know, we're we're big fans of of your work and of your family. And you guys are just like awesome people. And we really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Oh yeah, no. Love you guys too. Your families are great, and um, gotta get together soon. <laughs> for sure, I know. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Perfect. And thank you for listening to this episode of Barbados Catholic Podcast, the show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. If you like the podcast or got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review if you haven't. If you don't like the podcast, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. Um, go to direct.me forward slash barbatos to check out uh, show notes, social media, how to support the podcast, the spirits move you, and more. And bless us, Casey. Pray for, Pray us. for us. Until the next time.